Thank you. Amen. What a blessing to celebrate 240 years of liberty and freedom that was bought and paid for by the blood of its members. Thank you to all those who have served, past, present, and future. Amen, brother? Thankful, thankful for these uh, that are willing to give their lives for the freedom that I enjoy. Thank you very much. With that being said, I've entitled our message today, Turning Our Country Around. And as you know, one nation under God is under attack. And we had better wake up and turn our nation around while the turning's possible. That being said, I read about a man who went to an evangelist and asked him, how can we turn our country around? And the evangelist uh, said, well, do you have a place where you can pray? And the young man said, well, sure, I got a place that I pray. And he said, I tell you what you do. You go to that place and you take a piece of chalk and you kneel down and with that chalk, you make a circle all the way around yourself. And when you finish that circle, you start praying to God. And you stay there until God answers. And you ask God to bring revival to everything that's within that circle. And when you stay there long enough and you start hearing from God, then you have begun to turn your country around. God wants to turn our country around. God is not happy with the direction that our nation is taking. And the change that we need, the new direction that He wants us to go, begins with those who already profess to be His. That's you and me. It begins with us. The problem is this. A great many of us profess to know Him, but we are not possessed by Him. We profess to know Him, but we are not possessed by Him. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will bring healing into their land. Friend, 3,000 years ago, God gave his prophet Isaiah three requirements that were necessary to turn the country around. And I believe, believe that it was the same, uh, it's the same today as it was then. What do we need to do in order to turn our nation around? If you will turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 1, it's page 604 in the Bibles in front of you. In Isaiah chapter 1, I'm going to begin in verse 10. Listen to the word of God. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of God, you people of Gomorrah. 
See, that's exactly what our nation is becoming. Sodom and Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of the assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and your sacred meetings. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. You're guilty. Wash yourselves then. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. Come now. And let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If, say if. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if, say if. If you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Friend, as I read those scripture verses, the first requirement that I see that got to happen in order to turn our country around is to remove worthless worship. Remove worthless worship. These people that Isaiah is talking about went to church. They attended the temple services. They brought an offering. They brought a multitude of sacrifices. But their hearts were far from the Lord. And their worship was empty. It was futile. It was worthless. Can I tell you this morning, friends, that worship alone, coming to church on Sunday morning alone, can never completely please God. See, along with our worship, God wants your obedience. He wants your obedience. Samuel boldly told King Saul, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? He said obedience is far better than sacrifice. Along with that obedience, along with your worship, God also wants your heart broken over sin. In Psalm 51, David says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Along with your worship, along with your obedience, along with a heart broken over sin, God wants you to walk with him. 
It's not just Sunday morning activity. God wants you to walk with him day in and day out. The prophet Micah asked the nation of Israel, with what shall I come before the Lord? Animal sacrifices? All my money? Will my firstborn child pay for my sins? Will all this make the Lord happy? No, people, it will not. He goes on to say, the Lord's already told you what's good. This is what the Lord requires of you, to do what's right, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God day in and day out. You see, the worship of Israel some 3,000 years ago was empty. It was hypocritical, and it was sinful. And God said, I am sick and tired of it. I have had enough. Now, when Mama said that, I knew trouble was coming. Amen? But God said, I've had enough of it. I'm sick and tired of it. But before we go judging the worshipers of yesteryear, why don't we confess the way we worship today? I think many of us do a splendid job on Sunday morning. Monday morning comes the challenge. What kind of worshiper are you? Ten years ago, according to the researcher George Barna, 93% of American households had a Bible in it. 93%. And of those that were polled, 60% of those people said they were religious. But man, you'd never know it by the way they were acting. The survey goes on to tell us that there was one Protestant church for every 550 adults in America. One church for every 550 people. But was all that religion making a difference in our country? Look where we are today. The ugly bottom line is this, friends. 62% of people surveyed said the church is no longer relevant in today's society. They said the church has lost its influence on our country today. So what does that tell us? That tells us that the church today, just like Israel 3,000 years ago, was just going through the motions. Our worship is often empty, hypocritical, and sinful. Are we making a difference? For our country to turn around, the first thing we better do is remove worthless worship. And I'm not talking about a Sunday morning activity. I'm talking about a lifelong activity. But the second requirement for our country to change directions again falls on us. What must we do? Repent of senseless sins. Now I know it's real popular for a preacher to talk about sin. Amen? Yeah, y'all all love that, don't you? Yeah, I loved, I loved hearing about my sin all week long as I prepared to tell you about yours. But look at what uh, Isaiah said in verse 16. 
wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings before my eyes. Stop doing evil. Stop doing wickedness. Stop doing sinful things. Quit it. God says I'm sick and tired of it. I've had enough. When God says he's had enough, you better watch out. Because judgment's going to fall on the house of God first, even before the rest of the world. See, these religious people of Israel were also a very rebellious people of Israel. Not only was their worship on Sunday mornings inappropriate, but their whole life was inappropriate. And there at the end of verse 15, God said, even though you make many prayers, I'm not listening. You make a whole lot of prayers, I will not hear. Why? Your hands are full of blood. You're as guilty as the rest of the world. Are we guilty as charged? Are we as guilty as the rest of the world? Are we as guilty as the rest of the world because we refuse to turn away from our sins? And God's not listening to our prayers anymore. He is anybody else's prayers because we refuse to turn away from our sin. I mean, what would you think about a doctor who, on discovering that you had a tumor in your body, said, hey, just take two aspirin and go to, go to bed and you'll be good? That make you feel pretty reassured? What about the fireman who's responding to a three-alarm fire, and he shows up and he says, ah, don't worry about it, it'll burn itself out eventually. What about the police officer who shows up at the scene of a robbery, and he comes up and he sees what's going on, and he says, oh, man, boys will be boys. Will that reassure you? What kind of response is that? Well, all those responses are completely inappropriate. Is your response to sin inappropriate? When God convicts you of your sin, is your response to your sin inappropriate? Sin is nothing but disobedience to God. And it requires that we turn away from it. And for our nation to turn around, guess what we got to do? Turn away from the disobedience to God. We got to quit it. God's sick and tired of it. He said he's had enough. Will we turn away from it? Furthermore, how can we expect other people to be drawn to the goodness and righteousness of God if they can't see it in us who represent him? God will not be present in the midst of sin, whether it be church people or unchurched people. So what were the specific sins that Israel was having a problem with? What was preventing them from changing directions? Well, I was looking in some verses preceding that passage. Look in uh, Isaiah 1, verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Friend, let me ask you this. Are you rebelling against God in your life? Are you rebelling against God despite how much he cares for you? I mean, do you simply refuse to submit to the authority of God? There are many believers that are refusing. 
Look in verse 3. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Are you rejecting God's will even though he provides for you day in and day out? I mean, the least we can do for someone who provides every need of ours is to quit rejecting his will for our life. Are you biting the hand that feeds you? Here's another one in verse 4. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. They're going the wrong way. They've turned away backward. Are you resisting God's desire to use you for his glory? Did you hear me, friends? Are you resisting God's desire to use you for his glory? Have you forsaken the one, the one who saved you by his own blood? Friend, have you turned away backward? Are you going the wrong direction? We expect people who aren't attending church. We expect unbelievers to be going the wrong direction. But do we expect God's children to be going the wrong direction? I say, no, we're not. What's going to have to happen? You've got to remove that worthless worship. And we have to repent of senseless sins. But I found a third requirement there. If I want my country to turn around, and I do, what is God going to require of me? I have to return to selfless service. Look in verse 17. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Here, I have to repeat the story about four people in the church whose names were everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Well, it seems that the church had some financial responsibilities and the need for consistent giving, and everybody was asked to help. Well, everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but do you know who did it? Nobody. It ended up that Everybody blamed somebody when nobody could have done it, and anybody could have. The church grounds needed some work, and somebody was asked to help, but um, somebody got angry. Somebody got angry because anybody could have done it just as well, and after all, it was everybody's job. In the end, the work was given to nobody, and nobody did a great job. On and on this went, and whenever there were preschoolers that needed care during the worship service, whenever there was a need for life groups, teachers, nobody could always be counted on. Nobody visited the sick. Nobody gave regularly to support the work of the church. Nobody came to share their faith at Grow Outreach Meetings. In short, nobody became a very faithful member. 
Finally, the day came when somebody left the church and took anybody and everybody with him. And do you know who was left? And worse yet, do you know who cared? Nobody. If we truly want God to turn this country around, verse 17 tells us clearly what's got to happen. What does he say? Learn to do good. How do I learn to do good? I got to crack the book. Say crack the book. Got to crack the book. I've got to learn to study God's word and become a doer of the word of God, not just a hearer only. I've got to study God's word. Seek justice, he said. See, we've got to learn to do the right thing in every area of our life, in every decision you make, in every opportunity, in every circumstance. You need to find a right way and the wrong way of doing it and then do the right thing. Seek justice. Number three, rebuke the oppressor. You see, the devil wants to keep us right where we are. The devil is more than content with the direction that our nation is taking. So what are we going to do? The church has become fat and lazy and complacent. The devil wants to prevent you, and he wants to prevent us from being relevant in our society. So how do we rebuke the oppressor? James tells us, he says, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. But if you miss the submit to God part, don't expect to be able to resist the devil because you've not submitted to God. Finally, or number four, defend the fatherless. Why is our CIA children's ministry so important? Why is it so important? Because kids matter to God. Amen? Kids matter to God. Kids matter to God. And I believe that God wants us to take a bold stand against uh, the enemy who comes against those who can't defend themselves. Defend the fatherless. And finally, plead for the widow. To support those who are weak. You see, every age group is important to God. Every age group is important to God. And every age group can be used by God to turn this country around. Will you submit to God? Will you submit to God? So, friend, if you want God to turn our country around, do you? Raise your hand if you want God to turn this country around. You better make sure you're doing your part. You want God to turn our country around, you better make sure you're doing your part. Study his word. Seek to do the right thing. Submit to God so that you can keep the enemy at bay. Make sure that you're standing boldly for the defenseless and supporting the weak. And in doing that, you'll start removing worthless worship. You'll start repenting of senseless sins, and you will return to selfless service, and then the stage will be set for you, for us, to reap the glorious benefits. Look there again in verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they can be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. 
If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That phrase, let us reason together, it means to come to a legal agreement. You see, when people, God's people especially, come to an agreement with God concerning the gravity of their sin and also the desperate need for a Savior, God is then absolutely prepared to pardon and also cleanse even the ugliest of sins. No matter how dark your sin may be, I've heard people say, I can't go to church. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the sin I've committed. But no matter how dark your sin, God can make you pure. God can make you white as snow. If, don't you hate it when there's an if? But he says if. You see, today, God offers me and you the same choice that he offers Moses. He offered Moses. He said, Moses... The nation of Israel can either have blessings or they can have curses if. Amen? If you are willing and obedient to turn from your sin, you can expect blessing. You can expect a deeper relationship with God. You can expect to become a more effective servant. And you can also expect to see our church become healthier and larger. But if, there's another one. Amen? If we continue in our rebellion and our stubborn refusal to obey God, then we will reap only curses. It's that simple. Blessings or curses? Obedience, rebellion. You must choose. So once again, here we are at the conclusion of another worship service, and we are faced with a moment of truth. Do we truly desire God to turn our country around? We do. The requirements have been set forth. We must remove
Let's all stand and sing.